Good morning, guys. Uh, today, we're going to be doing an overview on the book of Amos, and this is going to kick off our justice series. And why is this important? It's because we as believers, we need to understand what justice is, not as the news tells us or social media tells us, but as the word of God tells us, because justice cannot exist outside of the character and actions of God. And so if we want to talk about justice, if we want to understand justice, we need to look at his word. And Amos is a perfect place to start. In many circles, Amos is known as the social justice prophet because justice is something that is very near and dear to his ministry. But before we start, I want to ask a question. And the question is this. Have you ever found yourself saying, at least I'm not like that? At least I'm not like that. Have you ever found yourself uttering those words? Maybe you got caught. Maybe you got in trouble. Maybe you were doing something you shouldn't have been doing. And you feel bad. And you feel guilty. And in this weird no shame society that we live in, in order to kind of remove yourself from that place, you look at someone worse than you and say, at least I'm not like that. When school was going on and all the grades were being posted, and you saw the test score you got, or the grade that you got, or the GPA, your class ranking. And did you look at everyone below you and say, at least I'm not like that. Maybe your parents were calling you out one day, giving you a, a hard time for some actions or words or just things that you were doing. And in your defense, have you ever said, well, at least I'm not like those kids, mom. At least I don't do things like that, dad. I might be bad, but at least I'm not doing drugs. I might be bad, but at least I don't go partying all the time. We do that. We try to point to someone worse than us in order to excuse our own flaws, in order to excuse our own wrongdoings. But brothers and sisters, as believers, is that a viable stance for us? Is that okay for us to say? Is it okay to say, at least I am not like that? And the reason we need to ask whether or not that is okay is because if we claim to be Christians, then we need to be a people that are about what God is about. Is about. And he's about purity. He's about holiness. And he's also about justice. And that's exactly what the prophet Amos' ministry is all about. Now, the odd thing about Amos is that he wasn't always a prophet. He was once a shepherd. But he's looking out at the nation of Israel, and the nation of Israel is in a state of corruption. You see, not long ago, the northern kingdom had reclaimed its independence. And in reclaiming its independence, it had seized new territory and therefore had received more wealth. The nation as a whole was growing wealthier and wealthier. During this time, the king there was King Jeroboam. And by the world's point of view, Jeroboam was a successful king. 
Israel was expanding its territory. Its national wealth was going up. The lifestyle and the comforts and the conveniences of the citizens were going up. And yet from God's lens, Jeroboam was not a good king. In fact, he was a wicked one. Why? Because as the wealth grew, as the territory grew, so did his comfort. And in his comfort, he grew apathetic apathetic to what God wanted him to be about as the king. And in his apathy, in his comfort, he allowed idolatry to seep not only into his own heart, but into the very heart of Israel. And once Israel and its king was captivated by idolatry, all of a sudden, things that God desired were no longer happening. The poor were not being looked after. The weak were not being uplifted. The marginalized were not being brought back in. The oppressed were not being taken care of. In fact, they were being oppressed more and more. And I think there is a remarkable similarity to the time of Amos, to the age and era that we live right now in 2020. Injustice existed in Amos's area, uh, area, time. <laughs> Injustice existed in Amos's time, and it exists in the time that you and I live in today. I mean, you can't turn on anything, whether it's on your phone or your TV or your tablet or your laptop, without seeing these protests, without seeing this public outcry. It's in every major city in America, and it's even outside of America now. Other countries are protesting on our behalf. I read this thing that BTS donated like a million dollars to like the Black Lives Matter movement. That's like, that's insane. The world is outraged. But another similarity is what we can suffer from as believers. And that is in our comfort, in our, convenient, in, in our conveniences, to be apathetic towards injustice. To be apathetic towards the needs of the weak, of the oppressed, and of the marginalized. And this is what Amos preaches against. And we're going to examine it in three parts today. The first is that we have a God of justice. The second is he calls us to be a people of justice. And the third is God will fulfill his just will. So let's look at the first part. God is a God of justice. Have you ever just looked out at the world around us and just wondered why everything's going on? Like, how could God let such a thing happen? How could God let COVID-19 happen? How could God let George Floyd die? How could God let Breonna Taylor die? How could God let Ahmaud Arbery die? And countless others who will go nameless because the media footage isn't there. In the midst of personal chaos, national chaos, and global chaos, have we asked ourselves that question? God, why do you allow injustice to happen? Well, when we look at the book of Amos, specifically in chapter one, we see God calling out the nations that are surrounding Israel. In chapter one, verse three, he calls out Damascus. And Damascus is accused of cruelty, of violence and atrocities. In verse six, he calls out Gaza, who is accused of slave trading. In verse 9 of chapter 1, he calls out the Phoenicians who are accused of breaking a covenant and a treaty, disregarding brotherhood. 
And in verse 13 of chapter 1, Ammon is accused of imperialism and atrocities. God is looking at the nation surrounding Israel and he's pointing out their sin. He's pointing out their injustice. What does that tell us? It tells us that we have a God who is fully aware of the injustice that occurs across every nation in this lost and broken world. God is not blind to it. He is not ignorant of it. God does not turn his face away from those who are being oppressed. He is aware and he is always aware. And when we see him calling out these other nations, we see that God is not a God who is willing to let injustice stand. He's calling out these nations saying, because of your deeds, because of your wickedness, because of the injustice that you practice, judgment will come. He's saying, don't lose sight. I see. Don't think that I don't see. Don't think that I don't know what is going on. I'm going to deal with this. And when God deals with injustice, he deals with it in a permanent and eternal manner. Why? Because brothers and sisters, the root of injustice is not bad social fabric and structure. The root of injustice is sin 10 out of 10 times. It doesn't matter what you're hearing on the news and on social media. And I'm not saying those things aren't valid points, but if we're gonna understand things biblically, we need to understand that things like injustice and racism, it's because of sin. It's a sin problem and God will not tolerate sin. He will not turn a blind eye to it. He will deal with it. But you see for us, especially as Asian Americans, this is new. This level of involvement, this level of awareness, and it's good, it's great. It's trending though. It's something that's piquing our interest right now. Do you guys know that COVID-19 is still a thing? It's still a thing. Do you see it on the news? Do you see it on people's stories? Not as much, right? Why? Because it's not trending anymore. It's still a very real virus that's taking people's lives, but it's not trending. We have the option to forget about things. We can choose to turn things off. We can choose to turn a blind eye towards injustice, but God does not. Whereas we have the option to forget and we will often choose to forget when the next thing piques our interest, God doesn't operate like that. What is God doing? I don't have the, I don't have all the answers to that question, but you know what? He's doing a heck of a lot more than any of us are. Why? Because he is God. And those who are in pain, those who are cast out, those who are being crushed, he empathizes with them. He hears the cries of the weak and the oppressed. He is not negligent to those that he loves, those who have been created in his image. So before we get on our high horses and say, God, what are you doing? Let's take a step back for a second and recognize that we have a God who is all about justice. We may not understand his ways. We may not understand his plans. We may not understand all of his thoughts, but that doesn't mean he isn't who 
he says he is. And that needs to be our starting point, brothers and sisters. That God is a God of justice and he will deal with and is dealing with injustice. He is not blind to the cries of the protesters. He's not blind to the cries of the African-American community here in America. He is, not cr- he is not blind to the tears of George Floyd's family. He is not blind to the tears of George Floyd's daughter. He's not blind to these things. We might turn off when we want to, but God does not. He's about justice. But the second point is that he calls us to be a people of justice. When we continue on Amos, after God is done calling out the surrounding nation, God fixes his eyes right upon Israel. Because he looks at Israel and he says, there is injustice occurring right here. As Israel has grown more and more wealthy, they have ignored the poor more and more, even allowing the poor to be sold into slavery. That as Israel has grown more comfortable and felt more powerful, they have ignored the needs of those who are on the lowest of society, those who are on the outskirts of society. And what God says is, you Israelites, you attend services, you attend worship, you come to the temple, but you know what? You are not taking care of those who are weak and disenfranchised, the forgotten and those who don't have a voice. And I think for a moment, we have to do a gut check there. I think for a moment, we have to do a gut check. Does that hit home for any of us here today? We attend worship service. We've attended every retreat. We're one of three members in our small group who joins every Zoom call after Sunday service. But have we regarded those who are being oppressed? See, we might look at our peers and say, I'm not as bad as them. At least I attend service. At least I do my quiet times. At least I pray every day. I'm sorry, guys. You don't get bonus points for praying every day. You don't get a cookie for doing your quiet time. You realize that those are things that are good for you? That they're beneficial for your soul. They're enriching for your soul. They're not to be utilized as a pedestal to compare yourself to anybody else. But what's the point of doing those things if we too turn a blind eye towards injustice? God says, you Israel, Aren't you the same Israel that cried out for justice when you were being oppressed by the Egyptians? Aren't you the same aren't you the same Israel that I saved, that I heard, that I responded, that I brought you out of captivity and into freedom? And now look at what you're doing. God is done. In Amos 3:2, he says, "I've chosen you, and this is why I will punish you." Before Captain America, one of my favorite uh, superheroes growing up was Spider-Man. And if you are a fan of Spider-Man, you know what I'm about to say next. With great power comes great responsibility. Say it one more time in memory of Uncle Ben. With great power comes great responsibility. 
What God is saying is, Israel, I've chosen you. You are my special possession. I have blessed you in ways that no other nation has experienced, that no other people group has experienced. You have my special blessing so that you would be a light to all the other nations. So that when all people groups looked at you, they would see who I am and they would see what it means to be in right relationship with me and right relationship with other people. You have a great calling, a great responsibility and you have dropped the ball. When people are suffering, you have turned the other way. But what about us guys? We here at Promise Church, are we not blessed? Have we not experienced a number of seasons of great blessing? Isn't our ministry blessed even just to have this type of a setting? You guys should see the camera that is recording me right now. It's ridiculous. Aren't we blessed? Hasn't God grown our congregation? Hasn't he shown himself time and time again who he is? Hasn't he responded to our cries time and time again? But rather than pouring the blessings that back out, are we just growing complacent in these blessings? Saying, God, just keep it coming. God, just keep it coming. Are we growing comfortable and content? And is this somehow led to apathy and idolatry even in our own lives? That we assume that God could just bless us for my sake so I could feel better, so I could be happier, so I could be a little bit more comfortable. And in that comfort, when we see the heartbreak of those in other communities, does it no longer strike a chord? You see, as believers, if we claim to be Christians, those who follow Christ, his church, his bride, those who follow the living God, then we must not lose sight of the fact that we must be what God is for and about. In other words, if you are a believer, the promotion of God's justice is not an option. It is a requirement. Living according to God's justice is not an option, but it is a requirement. There is no option to sit on the sidelines. We aren't allowed to be on the bench when it comes to this subject. You know, when I was in youth group, we'd always, uh, especially when I was younger, we'd always play the older guys, the older EM guys in basketball. And I know when you guys look at me now, you're like, Pastor Steven is the, a man's man, isn't he? You know, just like, wow, just the, uh, the definition of uh, excellence. But back then, uh, when I was a kid, I was, was kind of chubby and just like, you know, I'm, st I'm still chubby. What am I talking about? Anywho, We'd play these college kids. And the difference between a 12-year-old and a 20-year-old is huge. It's like me and Enoch. It's a huge difference. And so we would pick teams. And because a lot of us wanted to play, some of us would be, have to be on the bench. And I got to be honest. I was always a little happy to be on the bench. Because back in my day, those older guys, they weren't like Mark Oak, who's really nice. They were mean. If you went in the lane, they would elbow your ribs. 
They would trip you. They would knock you over. They would slam you down. The court was always slightly wet, not because of sweat, but because of our tears, because the older guys were relentless. And I would see that fight and say, I'm comfortable on the bench, that little couch thing that we had back then, because I didn't want to get in the fight. But brothers and sisters, if that is you right now, let me tell you, if you claim to be a Christian, to be a believer, that is not where you belong right now. God does not exist so you can sit on the bench. God has not revealed himself to you and, and given onto you saving grace so that you could sit on the bench. God has not unfolded the mysteries and the beauty of the gospel for you to sit on the bench. If you claim to know him, then you must be about what he is about. And so in the face of injustice and in the face of oppression, we can't sit on the sidelines. We can't lose sight of that. During this quarantine time, guys, has your relationship with God been more about you or has it been about those around you? And this is a question that we are forced to ask in this current season that our nation is in. Because we can't claim to be God's people and enjoy the blessings that come from that status and yet do nothing when others are experiencing such injustice. We need to check our own indifference and complacency in this matter. If you are here today, looking at the world around you saying, oh, it doesn't matter to me. Oh, it doesn't impact me. Oh, someone else will fix it. I don't know which God you are following, but it is not the God of the Bible because that is not who he, what he calls us to do and that is not who he calls us to be. And maybe some of you are like, but I'm just a kid, Pastor Stephen. And you know what I'm gonna say to that, right? Jesus' disciples, they weren't a bunch of 30, 40-year-olds. At best, they were older teenagers. They were kids too. There is no excuse. There's no excuse for indifference in the face of injustice. Because when we are indifferent, you know what happens? We as believers, we as the church, we start to let the world take lead in promoting justice. The world that doesn't know God's justice, that doesn't know the gospel message. And we're letting the world take charge and we are following. Rather than being frontliners responding, we become these really passive believers who are just kind of reacting to the news that is coming up around us. And I think that's a big problem that we're facing right now. The difference between reacting and responding. Reacting is every time you see social something on social media, you're like, ah, I got to post something. And then like five minutes later, something, ah, oh, oh, oh my gosh, this and this and this. And you're just texting people. And every time you see something on the news, you always got to do something about it. That's being reactionary. You know what you're doing? You're following the world's lead. And I'm not saying the world is wrong on every point here. But shouldn't we be taking charge? Shouldn't we be the ones setting the standard? For as people who claim to know God and know what God is about, shouldn't we be setting the trends? What does it mean to respond then? To respond is to know that number one, this is a sin problem and that none of this, none of this is going to get fixed without the power of Christ Jesus himself. Responding 
and not losing sight, it means that we need to recognize that even racial injustice is a form of idolatry. And what do I mean by that? Well, what is idolatry? It's men loving wicked things. It's men loving men and women loving things far more than they love God. We need to recognize that our nation has a severe problem with this. A real relationship with God, it has to transform the way that we relate to one another. And here we see something that the heart of Scripture addresses time and time again. That the measure of your relationship with God, a test of that, can be found in how you treat those who are mistreated. How you treat the least of these. Not how you treat the best of these, but how you treat the least of these. Here God is looking at Israel and saying, in this you have failed. You are just as bad as the other nations, if not worse, because I have given you a special blessing. See, they would, the point was that other nations would look at Israel and know what to do. But rather, it's the other way around. And God is saying, I will not let this stand. Israel, you've sinned, and you've sinned far too much. Your sin is just like the sin of the surrounding nations, and it is a type of idolatry that is breeding injustice. And so in light of that, if, if we know that this is a problem and we're called to be a people of justice, I think we need to pause and reflect. We need to check our privileges, our reactions, our own forms of injustice. We need to check our own prejudices and our own complacency. We need to check how much we've been reacting instead of leading. We need to check our own hearts in this manner. And when you do check your heart, when you do realize that reactionary style or that apathy or that complacency that you have been living with, what are you supposed to do? Repent. Repent of it. Because guys, we're not getting anywhere without that. We aren't getting anywhere without that. I think we need to be repentant of the fact that we, are, we have been ignorant to those who are in need. I think we need to be repentant about the fact that the platforms that we have, the relationships that we have with our peers and the platforms that we have on social media, we've used them for personal gain rather than greater good. I think we need to repent about the fact that our presence in the communities that God has placed us in say more about us and our desires and our comfort than actually addressing those who are in need. I think even as a youth ministry, we need to repent of the fact that a lot of what we do is just for us. What's good for us? What's nice for us? What will be cool for us? I think if we're going to be a people of justice, we need to be more prayerful. I think you and I need to look out in the world and every time something pops up on the feed and say, wow, I can't, I can't stand still. I can't be still anymore. I can't stay on this bench. I need to get up. I think we need to be a people as believers that say, if God sees this injustice, then I need to see it too. And if God's heart breaks because of it, my heart must break too. I refuse to be indifferent. I refuse to be apathetic. I refuse. I will break because there are people's hearts who are breaking. If I could turn your attention to Amos chapter 5, verse 24. And this is almost the, the critical verse in the book of Amos. 
He says, but let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never failing stream. What is he saying here? He's saying in the face of this injustice, in the face of this oppression, in the face of your failings, Israel, let justice roll like a river, righteousness like a never failing stream. The key word there that I want us to focus on is this word stream. See, this word stream, guys, it's not always used as a mighty river. In fact, when we look at the Old Testament, it's often used to describe a, a small stream of water that is steady, even in the driest of seasons. What is God calling us to do? To be this steady stream, even in the driest and most difficult of seasons. And I think the season that we are in right now is surely one of them. But when we are that steady stream of justice, we become a people who are about God's justice. And the last and final point is that God will fulfill his just will, his just purposes. You know how we know that? This season we're in right now, it sucks. I mean, this sucks, guys. COVID-19 sucks. Racial injustice sucks. The other day, I was on the internet. Tim Keller has cancer. That sucks. This season is tough. And I think we look at this world around us and say, man, God, how will you do something in this? How will your justice roll? How do we know that 2020 isn't actually just the end of the world? At December 31st, like the volcano or whatever under Yellowstone Mountain isn't just going to blow up and destroy all of us. I was reading the internet and someone made a joke. It must have been on like Twitter or something like that. And he's saying, guys, what if Kobe Bryant was the glue holding society together? And because Kobe died, all this stuff is happening. And I thought that was a funny joke, maybe a little too soon, <laughs> but it was humorous to consider except for the fact that you and I know who is holding things down. And as great as Mamba was, it wasn't Mamba. It's our Lord Jesus. Why? Because Jesus took injustice head on, and he suffered the price for it, and he defeated it. And if we believe in the cross of Jesus Christ, and the fact that those who confess and believe are saved, that Jesus actually died, he actually rose again, and he actually ascended into heaven, then we know that he is actually coming to bring true justice, true redemption, and true restoration. Why do I say this? So that we don't lose hope and so that we don't lose heart. Because even though this season sucks right now, brothers and sisters, the story doesn't end here. And God isn't done. God is not done fulfilling his just purposes but he will be one day.
It may not be today. It may not be December 31st of 2020. Who knows when it is? But it will come to pass. That even in the most chaotic of moments, God is still doing something and his will is still being unfolded. Because when we look at the cross, it seemed that all hope was lost. It seemed like injustice won. It seemed like darkness won. But that wasn't the case, was it? No. It was just a moment of darkness before the light shined again. And so as we continue on the series together, guys, I want us to be hopeful. I want us to press on. And I want us to be a people who are about justice because that is who our God is. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you. I thank you for who you are because we are so often so far away from any of your characters and qualities. But Lord, I ask that you would charge us and that you would inspire us and you would send us marching forward, Lord, to shine your light in this dark world because there's just a lot going on that seems way beyond our control, but we know that none of it is above and beyond you and that you are going to use us, that you are calling us to be a people who are about justice. And so as we continue down this journey through this series, Lord, would you uncover and unlock these truths and plant them deep into our hearts, Lord, so that we would be a people who boldly declare who you are, what you are doing, and what you will continue to do. So I thank you, and in Jesus' name I pray, amen.